0: Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Well, good morning. As of this past Sunday, spring has actually finally come. My sister Mary called me from Waterloo, Ontario, and she somewhat casually complained that snowflakes were festooning their birdhouses and back deck with about two inches of fresh snowflakes. Even as we spoke on on the phone, she posted a picture to me, to which I replied that we ourselves were being deluged with snowflakes. No, on second thought, mere, merely falling flakes from our blossoming trees. <laughs> I am such a tease. I'm a wretched younger brother. To my credit, to her credit, my beloved sister first groaned and then laughed. This morning we're continuing in our consideration of Peter's first letter. And our GPS coordinates are First Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. Hmm. 7-11 oddly makes you want to buy a newspaper and coffee. First hmm. Peter 4, beginning at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love one another deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. amen father we need to hear your words as simon has just said so mute things from me that aren't from you and help us to hear help us to uh, find something that you want to do in us this coming week help us to be bold to follow we ask this in the name of our brother jesus amen Well, as Scott has reminded us over the past several weeks, Peter does not write his letter in a vacuum or from a distant ivory tower. No, he's intimately connected with his readers, and he understands what they're going through, really going through in their 24-7 lives. So this morning, as we dive once again into Peter's first letter, just who is he addressing? After all, thus far, he's referred to his first readers as the elect, strangers in the world, aliens and exiles, scattered folks, newborn babies, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own people, receivers of mercy, folks under human authority, slaves, wives, and husbands, and then the blanket category, all of you. Who? And these folks aren't in a hermetically sealed, safe bubble. No, to change the metaphor, they're sitting ducks. Already identified by the locals as outsiders and by the occupying Romans as troublesome, even seditious, and it's going to get worse, these folks stand out like a red flag to a bull. And as we'll see next week as Peter's letter continues, they aren't just leery about not fitting in. They're undergoing a, quote, fiery ordeal. That's who Peter is writing to. And it's not a one-size-fits-all generic letter, but within a real-life context to his readers then and to us again this morning in our own troublesome, discouraging, wearying times. That's the context of Peter's letter. It's good, don't you think, to have a sense of the the jangledness, the unsettledness, the sheer unknowingness of what's next that Peter's first readers experienced. And although none of us would have planned it, we in 2022 can perhaps unexpectedly understand and commiserate with these first folks. Peter's first comment in chapter 4 verse 7 the end of all things is near or in some versions the end of all things is at hand you can almost hear the orchestra intoning dum 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 sounds final sounds dire sounds catastrophic but in retrospect let's remember the time frame of his letters Of his letter. For his first readers, the end of all things is near, understandably, sounds like breaking news soon to be realized. But we now live 2,000 years later, and his words still appear in his letter to us. So let's pause, just, let's just pause and consider for just a couple of minutes. Take a moment and consider, perhaps in conversation with someone seated next to you, or at home, or even alone, think of this. If your newsfeed were in bold print and said, the end of all things is near, what are some possible responses to that statement? And if you want to tease it apart just a little bit further, consider your response to the end of all things as near, as a sudden crisis, or as a lingering, lingering grind, or both. Two minutes, go. Go. Can you put the previous slide back up? There you go. Thank you. I, I love the buzz. I love the swell of conversation and then the slow muting of it. It's great. I love to hear your voices and not just us talking heads up here. It's really quite encouraging. The end of all things is near. Tell me, was Peter a fear monger or a fatalist or an ancient survivalist? no. His following encouragements and challenges after saying the end of all things is near do not advocate a hunker down and survive or a fight back or hand-wringing resignation posture. No, Peter has something of wondrous grace to tell us. And please note, if the end of all things is near, this does not mean that we have the license to abuse or neglect the gifts already given to us, our created world, our neighbors, either local or international, or how we procure food or fuel or the many advantages at our discretion. Imagine yourself just for a moment in God's shoes, if you can get your head into that, and what your combination of both sadness and rage would be if a gift recipient abused misused, neglected, or smudged your gift. No. Now, Peter has something quite different in mind from our common coping strategies when faced with the end of all things is near. Here are some of the possibilities. Eat, drink, and be merry. Scott addressed this just this past week. I invite you to revisit it again. Or hand-wringing Powerlessness. Or a joyful, I don't have to study for final exams. (laughs) (laughs) Or plain old grinding fatigue. Or perhaps lashing out with, unfair, unfair, I've just fallen in love and now I won't have time to enjoy it. Hmm? No, instead of pursuing any of these coping strategies, Peter does something quite different. So let's go. Uh, You know I'm going to do it, and not my customary, let me look at (laughs) you. This is not a morning for that. I love memory hooks, as you know. And perhaps along with my ongoing struggle with balance issues, I've become a man of lists. Otherwise, I'll either forget what I've already done, or I'll forget what I need to do next. Yeah, it's humbling, but it's certainly helpful. And a sidebar comment, just to disclose maybe a little more of Daniel than I've shared in the past. Although I have difficulty with remembering the most basic of tasks or shopping items without a list, there are some things that are absolutely etched in my memory. As I commented to Lucy a couple of weeks ago, I have no trouble at all remembering my childhood telephone number even though it hasn't been registered to anyone in our family for several decades. 416 4437 I even remember when we didn't need to dial the 416 area code. And earlier yet, when we were on a party line, and just 4437 was sufficient. Hmm. I can do fairly complex Sudoku puzzles without writing down the numbers in their allotted squares. I simply remember where the numbers go into the squares, and I mentally fill in the blanks accordingly, not with the really difficult ones, of course. I am a self-confessed uber nerd. I even have no trouble remembering the layout and the order of the periodic table of the elements. Almost a half-century ago, I needed to know it and its elements, relative positions and characteristics for a biochem exam I had. And so I came up with a a nonsense rhyme to help me remember. You ready? How he liberated Big Konofny, Nasty McGall Sips Clark, Cascading till Vera Cruz manages Fikoni Kuzin, Gage as C brings Chris. For you Superman fans, that's Krypton. <clears throat> that's the 36 element. Isn't it odd that I can still remember such esoteric and arcane information and yet forget having trouble remember that a single item, milk, is why I went to Thrifties. <laughs> yeah, I've become a man of lists. Which brings us back this morning to Peter's first letter. And perhaps some helpful, perhaps some memory hooks. Posture, action, demeanor. Posture, action, demeanor. If it helps together, they make up the word pad. And if it helps you technophiles, think of it as an iPad. (laughs) Spiritually intelligent Posture, action, demeanor. Posture. Our older daughter, Connolly is a clothing designer. And as a mere male, I'm slowly learning that posture is important for a runway model. Posture is the way one carries his or her body to maximum effect. Some of you may be active in gym or weight training or dance Or even job interviews. Good posture is crucial for both health and presentation to others. What in the world does this have to do with Peter's first letter and his encouragements and cautions to exiled folks? Chapter 4, verse 7, Be alert and of sober mind. Yes, of course, restful sleep and shunning inebriation, sobriety, are basic first steps along with other behaviors that Scott unpacked for us just last week from 1 Peter 4, verses 1 to 6. But as Peter continues, he uses an illuminating Greek word, sophronisite, means be alert. Don't worry, it's not a Greek class, you won't be quizzed later. But it means be alert, and not just mental sharpness in a personal, self-reflective way, but also crucial awareness of what's happening out there. And what's next? You see, for Peter, for his first readers, and for us this morning, alertness and sober mindedness describe a crucial posture from which we can observe and interpret things accurately, and a posture from which we can act in a Godward way. If you think this is obvious, not worthy of mentioning, I invite you to attend to the various forms of your news feeds and assess whether the various newsmongers are being alert and sober minded or simply offering a skewed version of local and world events to suit their own biases. Yeah, being alert and sober minded is a vital and it's a, a stable posture from which we can interpret things accurately. And please note, Peter isn't just advocating alertness and sober-mindedness as a kind of Zen-like posture of calmness in the face of outward calamity. No, he clearly adds a, so what? And Peter's, so what, as verse 7 concludes, it's almost like a math solution, so that you may pray. Do you see, alertness and sober-mindedness are not intended to protect us away from others, and certainly not from glib answers, but to, to nudge us into a place of Godward inquiry and trust. What a great posture to foster. Posture. But Peter moves on to describe Action. If you recall from our initial survey as we began to dive into Peter's first letter, we spent some time considering, but first, Peter. Who is this guy anyway? And it doesn't take very long for us to discover that if nothing else, Peter is a man of action. Not in a Schwarzenegger or in a Tom Hanks way, but rather in a rash, often later regretting way. But again, As Scott reminded us last week, Peter now writes his letter decades later, well after the gospel story unfolds, well on into Peter's own journey alongside the rescuing Jesus. Action, not only our posture, however crucial, but also what we do when the end of all things is near. Unfortunately, Peter is not mute about the action opportunities. Just look at how his verbs, his action words, just tumble out. Verse eight love, not only a feeling, but an action. Verse nine, offer hospitality. Verse ten, use whatever gift you have received. Verse eleven, speak and also serve. You get a twofer in that, that, that verse. Peter invites all sorts of actions based on the posture of being alert and sober-minded. And I'm, I'm not at all sure that this is meant to be an exhaustive list, but only a, for instance, and imagining his first receivers of his letter, Peter might well have added actions like cook and teach and coach and nudge and clean up after. And FYI, Peter might well be imagining real folks with real gifts among the people to whom he's writing, and not some just some generic possibilities. Here at Lambrick, I can well imagine him writing something like the following with a huge dose of encouragement. You may recognize some of these folks. Brenda, teach English well to new immigrants. Lucy... Welcome newcomers in a way that only you can. Scott, teach well and with the authority of God. Wendy, help us notice the unnoticed and remind us of their needs. Simon, engage and befriend those who want to help with music and worship. Staff at Wiseways, help us know and pray about the kids and families under your care. You see, a posture of alertness and sober-mindedness is crucial, but but actual action, inaction, is crucial, too. After all, many people are alert, but there's no rubber meeting the road. Action that meets their alertness. In fact, as you well know, in our increasingly connected world, at least in a virtual e-sense Many folks are content to simply respond online and not to act in a tactile in-person way. In my world, for instance, it's one thing to share a recipe online with a multitude of other folks and yet and yet quite another to simply prepare and deliver a meal for a family where they really live. Hmm? Posture: Be alert action do something helpful but now our third bullet point our third hook demeanor or if you prefer the more active and shorter word how <laughs> frankly i thought that an acronym that said pad would be more inviting than the one that said p a h pa <laughs> pa might suggest just being disgusted instead of being creative <laughs> regardless Make what you will with the passage at hand, but acronyms aside, it is still the Word of God to us in 2022. So now posture, action, and now demeanor. How? Here's where Peter really unpacks things for his first readers and for us again this morning, March 2022. Yes, our posture, alertness, And our action, love, offer, use, speak, serve, they find their warm bloodedness and kind heartedness, not merely their physicality. Look how Peter tumbles out, not just with the why or the what, but the how. Verse 8, love each other deeply. Verse 9, without grumbling. Verse 10, as faithful stewards. Verse 11, as one who speaks God's very words and, and with the strength that God provides. Why? Why? Is it enough to just get the job done, especially during troubling times? After all, we might well argue, I'm getting on with a troubling task at hand. Come on, Peter, ain't that enough? But Peter adds, and not incidentally as a throwaway phrase in verse 11, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Why? So that in all things God may be praised in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Peter says to us again, so that, do all this stuff, so that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You see, simply doing the job doesn't cut it. If we are to echo posture and action and demeanor of Jesus himself although some church stained glass windows and icons unintentionally mute this Jesus is much more warm-blooded and intentionally embedded and uh, sacrificially given than we could ever ever expect or imagine you and I may think we know the scope, the parameters of his rescue mission to humankind, but he's far more invested in us and in our Godward direction and growth than we could ever imagine. And if you think I'm only blowing sunshine at you during what might be especially grueling times for you, if you hear that I'm only focusing on the positive aspects of Godward relationship, please, please hear me. God is not at all interested in our squeaky clean, sanitized relationship, posture, action, demeanor. He wants the all, all of us to engage with the all of him. I may have shared this with you before, but it bears repeating especially if your own life isn't particularly rosy right now. We have a family member who was ravaged for several years with a gripping mental and physical health condition that threatened their very life and our family life together. It was precisely there and then that my Godward prayers and even somewhat raw complaints found their voice. But you see... Many of the biblical psalms, many of the gospel vignettes, and many of Peter and his pals' experiences are raw and telling and illuminating, sometimes with a stricken fist raised heavenward. And yet, and yet, I never ever had a sense that God was revulsed by me or my supposed lack of reverence. Instead, I had and I continue to have the distinct sense that the real God was finally meeting the real me. Hmm? Do you catch Peter's, remember, fisherman Peter, publicly denying Jesus Peter, unexpectedly embraced and grateful Peter? Do you catch his grateful gush of appreciation to his rescuer? I'm sure it wasn't just a one-off uh, cathartic thank you, but a continuing life posture as we read in his letter. That's why Peter and the other New Testament letter correspondents, they fairly gush. It's the only word I could think of. They gush a grateful doxology, a God-word praise in the middle of real life as verse 11 concludes, to him, Jesus, be the glory and power forever and ever. Incidentally, this is where many scholars suggest that the longer version of the Lord's Prayer comes from. When I was a schoolboy in the old days, some of you may recall, now a half century ago, even longer, when we still recited the Lord's Prayer in our regular plain old public school classroom, we didn't stop where the gospel writers Matthew and Luke conclude... Jesus' template for prayer. Jesus finishes with, but deliver us from the evil one. We always continued with, for thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And here, here in Peter's first letter, chapter 4, verse 11, we get a hint of how these two prayers were linked. To him, Jesus, Jesus, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So to recap, posture, be alert. Action, do something helpful. Demeanor, serve in the same way Jesus does, with warmth and love and not begrudgingly. And why? Why? Verse 11, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. As we close, I invite you to listen again to Peter's words of today's scripture in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message. It may catch you in a new way, and if it helps, you may want to close your eyes as the words of God flow over you and around you. First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words... Let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Oh yes. Will you pray with me? Father, you know far better than we do that we live in ever-changing, ever-shifting times, and yet you are never surprised or shaken by personal and world events. And so we want to be careful to notice and appreciate that just as Jesus renamed a plain old fisherman Simon to Peter the rock, you, you are our stable rock, our refuge, our comfort during unsettledness. Oh, dear Father... Papa, Papa, we revel that your own posture is constant alertness to us. Your action is always gracious and wise toward us. You are endlessly creative, endlessly cre- caring, endlessly loving as we stumble our way along. And so we simply say, thank you. Oh, would you help us to stretch beyond ourselves and do the experiment of imitating Jesus and his action, his demeanor toward others in our coming week ahead? Would you remind us that ours is not an endless drudgery, but that indeed the end of all things is near until, until we are embraced in your prepared place of sheer and endless bliss? We ask all these things in the name of our rescuing brother Jesus who loves us, And gave himself for us. Amen.